Howdy, hey, Randall K. Coming to you live from Magnificent Middle Tennessee. And I didn't have any opening music. What's wrong with that? I was busy setting other things up. And I didn't give you any music. And I didn't... Whoops. I should have that, and I should have that for you. So, pop, put that stuff. Little... Whoops. The other way. To my right. The little bug in the corner. And the uh, ticker going across the bottom. Just to fill up the space. Thank you for joining me this evening. And that's kind of funny seeing the blinds there on my right. Uh, looks like a little serrated edge or something. But just, you know, those are those are um, blinds on the window. I guess I could turn the camera a little that way. Move the microphone over and then we don't have that. All right. So thanks for joining me this evening. And I see that uh, we're live on YouTube. Hey, it's... Tracy Petroff over there. Hello and blessings to you, all y'all as well. Um, Facebook's rolling, YouTube's rolling, Twitch is rolling. Good. And it looks like, like a Periscope is going, but let me pull it up so I can see the chat room. Yeah. All right. Looks like we're good to go. And the reason I'm looking over to my right is because I've got a couple monitors going on here. And so I've got the broadcast graphics and stuff going over here on my left. And then monitoring the broadcast on the different platforms on the right side. Just so you know, that was for free. Alright, tonight um, I want to share with you uh, something that I planned on sharing at the Truck Stop Chapel today. But uh, it's been several months uh, since anyone's actually come to a uh, truck stop chapel service. But fortunately, there are truck drivers in the parking lot still. And I'm able to go out there to the trucks and uh, speak to them briefly, give them a copy of God's Word. So while it's good, you know, uh, it's our job as believers to plant seed. Uh uh, or, or water, one comes along, you know, one plants, uh, one waters, but God gives the increase. We're not responsible for what happens to the seed or what soil it falls upon on, what soil it falls upon. Uh, we're just to be faithful to plant the seed. Excuse me. Um, all right, just checking in on things. All right, but since I didn't get to um, give a little sermonette in the chapel, a little Bible study, what I intend to do this morning was to talk about the gifts and the calling of God. In fact, um, I prepared a show title. Let's see, does this work? Yes, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable based on a Rome, Romans uh, 11... Um, 39, is it? I can't read that. Um, 1129, that's it. 1129, is what it should say. I think it's hard to tell <laughs> in this resolution whether I got that right. Let me, no, I got that wrong. Let me fix that, okay? Because I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be a false teacher or anything like that leading people astray with the wrong scripture reference. So, yeah, should rewrite now. Yes, Romans eleven twenty nine, And in context, if you read Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, uh, Paul is talking about his kinsmen, his brothers according to the flesh, that is, fellow Jews, that he starts off in chapter 9, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, well, I know that I talked about it, but I don't know if it was two weeks ago or three weeks ago. I don't know. Maybe it was even a week ago. But uh, Paul wished himself, if possible, he would wish himself accursed or cut off from eternal life if he could trade his own own salvation for the salvation of his fellow Jews. And then... It goes on to talk about how there's been this falling away of Jews and the Gentiles been grafted in 
to the olive tree. Uh, that is that you know, that olive tree representing the commonwealth of Israel and uh, the true Israel, because not all Israel are of Israel. He talks about, but now because of an unbelief at the first coming of Messiah, uh, that there was an opportunity, according to prophecy, of course, uh, that Gentiles would get grafted into that root of really of Judaism, uh, for lack of a better word, just that the promises of God going back to Genesis and all the way through the scriptures that um, you read in Ephesians chapter 2 about the wall of division being broken down between Jew and Gentile and two becoming one new man in Messiah. But as I've mentioned many times on this program and, and in person with people, um, we talk about um, Christianity, for lack of a better word, um, following a Messiah. It's not something that was invented in the first century. Uh, Yeshua uh, of Nazareth didn't just come just in a vacuum and say, hey, I'm the latest incarnation like, you know, whatever, uh, some of the cults you may be familiar with today. I'm the latest incarnation of God. No, um, hundreds of years of, of prophecy and tradition and foreshadowings and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. At least 300 some prophecies fulfilled in his first coming, making it undeniably that he was the promised Jewish Messiah. Anyway, so Christianity isn't something that was just invented, you know, wholesale in the first century. We're talking centuries of prophecy and expectation uh, leading up to that point. And that's why, again, in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, they're around uh, with those disciples on the road to Emmaus, Yeshua says, you know, he said, beginning uh, with Moses and the prophets and all the scriptures, he revealed to them or told the things concerning himself, that it's it's all in there from Genesis, uh, from from Torah through the Nevi'im, the prophets, to the Ketuvim, the writings. Uh, there's something to be found of Messiah. Uh, in all of those, and specifically how uh, Yeshua f fulfilled all of those, Jesus fulfilled all of those things in his first coming. Okay, anyway, so, going back to Romans chapter 11, um, Paul, talking about this, how there's this been this temporary sort of falling away of, of Israel, the Gentiles came into that, you know, continuum of God of the universe and his plans and his prophecies and all that and became benefactors of the Jewish Messiah. It doesn't mean that God was through uh, with the Jews, not like uh, replacement theology. This is the the church, the Christian church, replaces Israel and and supplants them and all the promises to the nation of Israel and or any nonsense about um, another testament of Jesus in North America or anything like that. Which, by the way, is it's a testament of another Jesus, not another testament of Jesus. It's a testament of another Jesus. It's not the it's not the it's not the Jesus, not the Yeshua of Scripture. Um, anyway, so in the part in that in that um, presentation that the Apostle Paul gives in Romans nine, ten, eleven, getting towards the end of chapter eleven, uh, basically saying that God isn't through with Israel; He's not cut them off. This is a temporary thing. And there in Romans eleven twenty nine, um, he says, The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable or 
or without repentance. Uh, the Greek word there is ametomelania. I'm Greek to you and to me. It's ametomelita. Um, and meta is comes means change. We talk about metamorphosis, a, a change in shape or or being. Uh, and uh, mileta means uh, emotion, roughly. And meta mileta is a change of emotion or a change of heart. We would say in English, you know, he had a change of heart or they had a change of heart. Or, you know, I changed my mind, or is that, you know, it just doesn't fit anymore. I just, I repent of it, I'm remorseful about it, or that kind of thing. And the ah in front negates that, saying it's without, it's out without uh, regret or remorse or change of heart that, that it's, it's not going, that a change of heart is not coming from God. He's like, oh, I changed my mind about that. Nor, I believe, that the change of heart of the person negates God's gifts and calling. And so we see that in the, in the sense of which Paul talks about it. But I think there are some other facets to the fact that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And we're going to look at some scripture before we do that, let's do that prayerfully, shall we? The Bible is the only book that comes with its author, so it makes sense to approach the author for understanding. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for those viewing live and on the replay. God, we pray that as we look into your word that you would illumine us. Lord, uh, may the light fall from your written words. Lord, and find life, take root in our hearts. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, spirits that are receptive to your spirit, that we might receive all that you have for us. This time is yours to use as you will for our good, your glory. Lord, may, may the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. May they be your words. Help me to be sensitive to your spirit that I might, Lord, communicate things that you would have me communicate. Again, we offer it to you, to your glory and praise, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. All right, let me drop the title there. Oh, am I still doing um, sound effects there? No, I turned them off. All right, so let's get into the first sentence. You know, I think there are different, like I say, different facets of this statement of Paul in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable or, or without repentance. Um, and the clear and present sense, as I talked about, um, was that God is not done with his people Israel. And we can see that clearly in Jeremiah chapter 31, the same chapter in which we read about the New Testament, Yes, the new covenant. Uh, again, not a not made up by Gentiles in the first century. It goes back centuries in the Old Testament, and it's a covenant between the house uh, between God and with the house of Yehuda of Judah and of Israel, and um, covenant with Jews and Gentiles have been. Um, become grafted into that and benefactors of that as well. But later on, Jeremiah chapter 31, let's see if I have this rigged up right. I could just read it and not mess with the tech so as to slow things down. Yeah, why isn't that not working? I don't know why that's not working. Ah. Mm -hmm. There we go. Takes a, Sometimes it takes a, a bit to uh, work these things in. And anyway, the um, I'm kind of getting cut off in the picture-in-picture, picture, but 
whatever. All right. Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, skipping down to verse 35. Thus said Adonai, who gives the sun for a light by day, and the laws of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who stirs up the sea and its wave roar. Adonai of hosts is his name. If these laws vanish from before me, declares Adonai, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me. Thus said Adonai, if the heavens could be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I would ca also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, declares Adonai. So, last time I checked, the sun was still giving light by day, and the moon and the stars still give light by night. Uh, the waves of the sea are still going. Um, the heavens can't be measured. We talked about that, or I talked about that. You listened about um, whether or not the universe is infinite, infinitely large, infinitely small. We don't know, ultimately. Um people much more than I have debated this, and we don't know. The the heavens above cannot be measured, and the, fo the foundations of the earth uh, beneath cannot be searched. There is no probe that's gone to the core of the earth or anything like that. So that if that, that could happen, I mean, God knows all that thing, but if people could measure the heavens and uh, search out the foundations of the earth, I would also cast off the seed of Israel for all they have done. In other words, just like any human being or any group of people, God has good reason uh, to cast them off, but he's not going to because, because, because he said so. That's something he's decided. That's um, He chose the people of Israel. Uh, again, they're not chosen because they're special. They're special because they're chosen. And that's just something God has instituted. And in Numbers twenty three nineteen, you know, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he would change his mind. Uh, has he said it and he will not do it? Uh, has he, or has he spoken and he will not make it good? I could have put up a thing there, but Numbers twenty three nineteen. Go look that up. And he, all his promises are yes and amen. And that's, um, I could point to the scripture there, but I can't think of it. But, so in Paul's sense, in the context sense, Romans eleven twenty nine, God's gifts and calling are irrevocable. That's the clear and in context sense that God hasn't given up on Israel. They'll continue to be a people and a nation before him. So long as there's sun in the day, moon and stars at night, waves of the sea, uh, etc., they'll always be his chosen people and a nation before him. Um, even though it seemed like a long time, when there was no homeland, they continued to be a people, they continued to have a language. And, um, and then in May 1948, several prophecies fulfilled, uh, where they can back into the land, and but they never cease being a nation, a people, from before him, even though they didn't have a homeland. Anyway, there's another sense, I believe, and I don't think I'm getting too off the off the rails here. Another sense in which the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And I just want to see, hey, Jerry watching there on Facebook and uh, just want to make sure I'm not missing anything important Stacy Lynn will tell you that I'm not a great multitasker well men in general aren't really good at multitasking and so to um, to run the graphics to to monitor the broadcast and um, and then look at the chat room and do what I'm doing and bring up the scriptures and stuff. Anyway, so I don't think we went off the rails here. Maybe without other stuff, but 
concerning the scriptures, as far as the gifts and calling of God being irrevocable, I think also that I see in scripture the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable, that they're not dependent on the recipient of those gifts and the call. They don't negate the gifts and the call of God uh, just because the recipient has a change of heart or change of mind. They're irrevocable. They are metamili, um, whatever I said in the Greek, that, um, you know, the, the change of heart doesn't negate them, uh, doesn't undo them. And I think a great example of that is with Moshe, with Moses, uh, when he has the encounter uh, with God in the burning bush, and he's called to deliver his own people, Israel, out of bondage, out of the land of Egypt. And, uh, you know, who can turn that down? But what we see, Exodus chapter 4, this conversation ensues. And Moshe answered and said, And if they do not believe me, nor listen to my voice, and say, Adonai has not appeared to you? You know, well, you know, you called me to go, you know, lead my people out of Egypt, but hey, what if they don't believe me, or they don't listen to my voice? And they say, you know, the Lord hasn't appeared to you. Adonai said to him, What is in your hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moshe fled from it. And Adonai said to Moshe, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. There's a little bit of fate. Side note there. If you're going to if I was going to pick up a snake anyway, I wouldn't pick it up by its tail because then it could come around and bite me. If anything, I'd pick it up by its head, you know, the neck just behind the head so it couldn't come around and bite me. But Lord tells Moshe, hey, reach down your hand and pick it up by the tail. Give it to him. So he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. So then they believe that Adonai Elohim of their fathers, the Elohim of Avraham, the Elohim of Yitzhak, uh, the Elohim of Yaakov has appeared to you. All right, good. Hey, Moses, go lead my people Israel uh, out of Egypt. Well, what if they don't believe me? But okay, fine. Here, throw this, throw your rod down. Okay, there. That's so they'll believe because, you know, Generally, people can't do that. Throw a rod, it turns into a snake, and they pick up the snake and it's rod again. So they believe that the Elohim, the God of your fathers, Elohim of Abraham, Abraham, Elohim of Yitzchak, Isaac, and uh, Yaakov, Jacob, has appeared to you. And Adonai said to him again, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, See and see, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom and see, it was restored like his other flesh. And it shall be if they do not listen to you, nor listen to the voice of the first sign, they shall believe the voice of the latter sign. It's like, you know, anticipating, well, what if they don't believe that? Well, here's, here's two signs. If they don't believe, they'll, they'll get the second one. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on dry land, and the water which you take from the river shall become blood on the dry land. Okay, that ought to do with the, with the uh, excuse, you know, the objection that, hey, what if I come to them and they say, God hasn't talked to you, you know, you've crazy old man you know okay here's some things the snake the leprous hand the turning water to blood that should cover it that should cover it moshe that should cover it moses and moshe said to adonai oh adonai i am not a man of words neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant for i am slow of speech and slow of tongue And Adonai said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes 
dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, Adonai? And now go, I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. So if God here calling Moshe, go deliver my people to Israel. Well, what if they don't believe me? Well, here's this. Well, I, I don't speak so well. Well, hey, I'll be with your mouth. I'll teach you what to say. It's not your problem. I'll take care of it. Verse 13, the turning point. But he said, O Adonai, please send by the hand of whom you would send. Basically, send somebody else. You called me, but, you know, hey, what if they don't believe me? Well, here. Well, I, I don't speak so good. Got it covered. Can you just send somebody else? Verse 14. And the displeasure of Adonai burned against Moshe. And he said, Is not Aharon the Levite your brother? I know he speaks well, and see he is coming to meet you. And when he sees you, you shall be glad in his heart. And you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I am with your mouth and with his mouth. And I shall teach you what to do. So I bring this up. And I know that I brought this up before. But... I want us to look at this progression. Here's this calling of God. Go lead your people out of Egypt. And Moshe says, well, hey, what if they don't believe me? You know, hey, you know, that's valid, right? Hey, they may not, they might listen to me. Well, here you go. I've got, God doesn't say, don't back talk to me. Don't do, you know, he says, hey, I've got that covered. Here's three signs. If they don't believe first, they believe second. If they dismiss those two. I don't know why they would. And it turns out the first one had them. I mean, they were attentive before we even showed a sign. But they all only needed one, and they were ready to listen for the most part. Um, at least they believed that he talked, that God had talked to him and sent him. Anyway, then he's like, well... I don't, I don't speak so good. I've never been man of words. I'm not that eloquent and I'm slow of speech. God says, really? I've got that covered. Um, you know, have, don't have an I make the mouth. I'm, I'll be with you. I'll, I'll teach you what to say. Got that covered. You don't have to worry about it. When Moshe says, maybe just send somebody else. Then we see the anger of the Lord with him. See, because God isn't disappointed with our weaknesses and our inability to do things. It's our rejection because the, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They're without. And for us to revoke them, to, to you know, have remorse about them, change your mind, well, uh, see, that's not good because... God doesn't work that way. I think of uh, Esther, Hadassah, and uh, with her uncle, cousin, Mordecai, anyway. Um, you know, she's frightened to go before her husband, the king. And Mordecai, there's that, that famous, you know, who knows whether you're born for such a time as this, but in the context he's saying hey if you don't do something god will raise up help from somewhere else but who knows whether you were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this that god's going to do what god's going to do and and this is your chance to be a part of his program to to do what he's calling you to do if you don't it's not going to thwart his plans but it doesn't put you in a very good position you know you heck you're, you're you're in a great position politically. You're husband of the king. And he's brought you into the kingdom, not as a subject, but as, as a ruler, you know, a co-ruler. Who knows whether God brought you in the kingdom for such a time as this. That, I mean, you, you know, just the way everything's opened up, you're in this position. What an affront to God to back out on that. It's not like he can't get done what he wants to do, but... Uh, it's it's not too cool to to basically reject uh, that calling. All right, going out. 
what was the scripture numbers oh numbers um uh, about god is not a man that he should lie 2319 2319 all right um can I, maybe i should leave it on facebook here i don't know all right so that's another sense in which I believe that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. That they're gonna they're gonna happen, whatever can happen. But it's <laughs> we put ourselves in a bad place. We do ourselves a disservice and affront to God if we say, "Nah, send somebody else." Yeah, I know you're calling me to this, but no thanks. Um, it's not for me. It's like saying, God, you can't, I don't trust your ability. Um, again, he, he told Moses, I'll be with your mouth. I'll teach you. To, you don't have to, it's, it's not about your ability. Um, um, Petra years ago had a song, I have a grateful heart. And there's a bridge in there. I think it's really good. It's doesn't tie specifically you know directly it's not a bible quotation but i think it's a it's a it's a biblical um you know uh what's the word i'm looking for biblical paradigm no biblical i don't know hopefully you know what i'm trying to say um this is i know that my ability is not your main concern it's my availability and willingness to learn. That's what God wants. Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God has chosen the weak things and the base things and the foolish things of the world. Um, so the glory is his. He's not concerned about our ability. It's our availability. Anyway, in another way, another facet in which I believe that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable are that when he's called us to something, it doesn't do us any good to, if we've been in that, to walk away with it. If there's been a blessing, a calling upon our lives, it we are not going to find the blessing and benefit if we walk away from that. Going to bring you to Matthew chapter 4. Picking up verse 17, similarly to Mark's gospel, Matthew records the first ministry words of Yeshua, or Yeshua, as we read here in the um, International Scripture Research Version. The scriptures, this is 1998, I think. Uh, on uh, BibleHub.com. Anyway, from that time, Yeshua began to proclaim and to say, Repent, for the reign of the heavens has drawn near, or the kingdom of God. This is a very literal translation. Anyway, and Yeshua, walking by the Sea of Galil, saw two brothers, Shimon, called Kepha, and Andri, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Do they respond? Yes. And immediately, like, whoops. And immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Clear call of God in the flesh. Yeshua, the Messiah, walking by the Sea of Galilee, or the you know, lake, really. It's, anyway, it's a freshwater lake, but it's a really big one. Not like the Great Lakes in North America, but anyway, pretty big. And walk by, there's these two brothers, Shimon or Simon called Kepha or Peter, or Cephas will, we often say in reading an English translation, uh, not realizing that the sea there is, the Roman sea is a hard sea. Um, in Greek, it's the Greek letter Kappa, and that's because the... Aramaic Kepha uh, would be spelled with uh, probably a cough anyway. Not like, <laughs> but Greek, or the 
Peeper let her cough. Anyway, um, two brothers, fishermen, casting the net in the sea. They were fishermen. He said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Good deal. Right on. All right. Fast forward for a few years. <laughs> like three and a half years. And we come to John chapter 21. Shimon Kepha. Kepha, excuse me, shorty. He has, he has denied the Lord. Denied even knowing the Lord. With cursing, he is, I don't know this man. And the curse words are not recorded for us in scripture. It just says with cursing. He, um, he vehemently denied even knowing Yeshua. Even denied, denied even knowing Jesus. And so then he finds out the Lord is risen. And, and anyway, so after Yeshua manifested himself again to the top ones, the disciples of the Sea of Kinnereth, or of, you know, the Galilee or Kinnereth or Sea of Tiberias, so many names that lake has. And he manifested this way. Shimon Kepha and Toma called the twin, and Nathanael of Cana in Galil, the sons of Zabdi, and two others of his top ones were together. Verse 3. Shimon Kepha said to them, I am going to fish. Not for men. Going, going back to what he's called from. Um, going back to his old life as a fisherman. And they said to him, We are coming with you. They went out and immediately entered into the boat, and that night they caught none at all. They caught nothing at all. Why? Because that was their old job. That was their old life. Um, they were fishermen. He called them to become fishers of men. They left their nets and immediately followed him. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. Mark also records that. Uh, I'm not sure about John's gospel. and Luke doesn't record that. I don't think. Anyway, so, but, so here is the gifts. You think about how they were empowered uh, to work ministry, to cast out devils and bring healings, that kind of thing. And the calling of God to become fishers of men. And then after all the stuff, they should have known if they'd known the scriptures, if they'd known the, the Torah, the Nevi'im and the Ketuvim, if they'd known the Tanakh, uh, they would have realized that Messiah had to suffer and die and rise again. Um, but they weren't keen on that. So after this confusing episode of their Messiah being crucified and buried and, um, and then risen, uh, and they encountered him there in Jerusalem, um, after all that upsetting, um, encounter, Peter says, you know what? I'm going fishing. <laughs> it's, it's what I know. It's comfortable. And isn't that the human nature that when we get ourselves in an uncomfortable place that we go seeking out something familiar and comfortable, something that feels like we have control of when something seems out of control we'll turn to something that feels like feels like we have control of something that we can control or is familiar um but again the gifts and calling of god are irrevocable and so turning back to fishing as an occupation they caught nothing because that's not what they're called to do. They were called to be fishers of men. And back then, they immediately left their nets and followed him. And they became fishers of men. But then stuff got hard and confusing, seemed out of control. And was like, ah, I'm going fishing. Yeah, we'll go with you. 
Uh, we, you know, that's old familiar ground, but it was, it couldn't be an occupation anymore. Uh, it couldn't be a gainful employment because they'd been called from that. That was then, this was now. Uh, they weren't fishers of fish in, in the Sea of Galil, in the Sea of, you know, Kinnereth, the Sea of Tiberias, Lake of Galilee. Um, they were called to be fishers of men. And, and so trying to do anything else than, than, than God had called them to was going to be unfruitful. All right, so the gifts and calling of God are revocable. In the context of Romans 11, God isn't through with Israel. And we see that more so in the 20th and 21st century. Uh, the Messianic congregations spring up and, and Israel being the center of the news so many times. And, and, uh, and they've continued to be a nation God's not through with them. As long as there's sun, moon, and stars, and waves of the sea, he's not done with them. Um, no matter what they've done, he said, hey, uh, I could cast them off for all they've done, but uh, because I've said otherwise, God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent or change his mind. If he said it, he's going to do it. If he's spoken it, he's going to make it good. Okay. There's also the sense of that the gifts and calling of God are not revocable in that uh, we shouldn't uh, revoke them. That uh, like Moshe or, well, Esther didn't. She was wondering. She was scared about it, but encouraged. Hey, who knows whether he came to the kingdom for such a time as this. Moshe was a little, hey, send somebody else. I'm, I've used up my excuses. You've got answers, but hey, I'm just not comfortable. you Go find somebody else. Uh, that ticked God off. Says so the anger, you know, the displeasure of of the Lord burned against Moshe, and so we ought not to revoke uh, the calling of God in that way. And there's the sense in which they are irrevocable. If we turn to something that we've been called from, it's going to be unfruitful. That if we want to be fruitful in life, we should do the things that God has called us to, whatever ministry it is, whatever gifting that he supplied us, that's clearly gifting from God. If we're in the center of his will, it will bear fruit. If, if we say, oh boy, this is really uncomfortable. I feel out of control. This is, well, I don't know. I'm going back to something familiar. Don't expect to find f fulfillment in something that God has called you out of, be it sinful or otherwise. I mean, being fishermen wasn't sinful. It was just God called them from that. And and they tried to go back to that, and it was unfruitful. They caught nothing because that wasn't the calling of God. And, and certainly, <laughs> if it's a sinful past, not to return it to it. Uh, Romans chapter 6, Paul says, What fruit did you have then? in the things of which you are now ashamed. I mean, they weren't fruitful then. They're certainly going to be fruitful now. But even good things that were fruitful um, in the past, if God's called you from that to something else, don't expect the former thing to be as great as it once was. Um, gosh, I was going to pull that up. Uh, my atmosphere is highest, Oswald Chambers. Uh, there's one devotion i don't think he wrote it most of the things that most were highest he didn't write he said them as he was a missionary in egypt of all places he preached there and his his wife and his daughters took the notes and they anyway they wrote that there's books that oswald chambers wrote but a lot of the things in my utmost for his highest devotional are things that he preached and anyway his his family put into writing Anyway, one of those, one of those devotions there, he says, beware of harking back to something you once were when God would have you be something you've never been or something like that. That, um, and another Petra song comes to mind, Beyond Belief. 
you know, we're we're content to pitch our tent where the where the glory came and went. You know, we're like, oh, this was great, and we want to keep getting all the mileage out of that thing when God is moving us on to something else. And um, recently, I run, read through Exodus, you know, beginning of the year, and it stood out to me again. You know, when the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, when the presence of God was there, they camped there, and when that was taken up, they moved, and that's the way it should go. And so often we want to, especially in Christendom, in the church, you know, this this ministry worked out really well, and these were the glory days, and this, and we should keep doing this, even when it's clear that that was for then, and God is moving, has moved on, and but we want we want to you know recreate this you know time of blessing, and if, if we keep doing the same stuff. Well, that's it. If we keep doing it, it wasn't us. It was God doing the stuff. And and that's one more thing I want to look at in that respect in Scripture. Um, a couple of things from, um, from Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Shaul and Timothy, servants of Yeshua Messiah, to all the set-apart ones, the saints, and Messiah Yeshua who are in Philippi. Anyway, um, verse 4, picking up there, since it's a new sentence. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy for your fellowship in the good news from the first day until now, being persuaded of this, that he who has begun a good work in you shall perfect it or complete it until the day of Yeshua Messiah. It's him. He began the good work and he's going to perfect it until his day. Well, in my day, no. <laughs> if we are in Messiah, if he is in us, then it's not about my day. It's all about his day. Um, he began a good work and if we continue to yield to him and not be a temporary Moshe, a temporary Moses who said that, go find somebody else. Um, if we're more like an Esther, Hey, maybe brought in the kingdom for such a time as this, uh, see what God will do. Then, then we'll find that he began it. He'll, 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 um, complete it. Um, all right. I want to move on so I don't run out of these. Um, another example of that, turning again, next chapter in Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes in verse 12, So that, my beloved, as you always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much rather in my absence, work out your own deliverance or salvation with fear and trembling. And this working out does not mean secure it. If if it, we had to secure it somehow, it wouldn't. We wouldn't be deliverance. It wouldn't be our own deliverance. We wouldn't have it yet. If we had to work for salvation, then it wouldn't be our own deliverance. It says, work out your own deliverance. It's something that you have. Work it out with fear and trembling. Um, uh, the free gift of God is eternal life in Yeshua, Messiah, in Christ Jesus. It's something we have. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. First John chapter 5. And so since we have that, we should work that out as as james says faith without works is dead uh, we've been given this gift this irrevocable gift of god and we need to work that out not with not with casualness and uh carelessness and um, indifference, but with fear and trembling. This is, I mean, the, the Almighty God has given us salvation, given us eternal life at the, at the very high cost of 
the living word of God becoming flesh and being mistreated and abused and tortured and crucified and dying uh, for us became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him that that's a very high priced gift from God that needs to be worked out w- with fear and trembling not not casualness and indifference and so anyway why for it is Elohim or God working in you both to desire and to work for his good pleasure the reason we want to do what's good for him because he's working in us he's put that in us and it's not like he just puts this desire in us now make it happen it's up to you no it's god who works in you both to desire and to work for his good pleasure um other english translation to will and to do it gives it the desire to do it and the ability to do it. Again, it's <laughs> our ability is not his main concern. It's our availability and willingness to learn. And to take him at his word. And going back to Moses, it, don't I don't care if you're slow of speech. That doesn't matter. I'll be with your mouth. I'm going to teach you what to say. It's me working through you. It's I'm... <laughs> don't bring me your inabilities your weaknesses as your excuses again first corinthians chapter one about god choosing the weak things and the foolish things and the base things of the world um let me pop out to the chat rooms to make sure i'm not missing anything important very quiet in Periscope. There's the tube. There's the twitch. All right. All right. One more facet of the gifts and calling of God being irrevocable. And that is, there's a specific call that has gone out that we read earlier in Matthew chapter 4, and we find in many other places in Scripture, and that is the call to repent, to uh, metanoia, to have a change of mind about sin, uh, to have a change of direction going one way, and to follow him. Uh to daily take up our cross figuratively that basically put our our selfish ambitions and self-fulfillment our self-realization um and and uh, that on hold i actually not on hold just push it aside and follow the lord as he's worked in us both to will and to do, both to desire and to work out his good pleasure, uh, to follow him, yield to him, and much greater blessings will come following his call than any selfish, um, self-directed pursuit we could ever undertake. Sure, we might follow all the the millionaire gurus to, you know, make our millionaire life and our billionaire life and scratch and crawl and hustle and grind and all that kind of stuff to get to the top. But as our Lord said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Uh, those self-realization pursuits. And I fellowshiped at the Self-Realization Fellowship Temple for a while. Um, felt that left me very empty. Um, those Those things don't bear fruit of any value. 
fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are really good things that don't cost anything. They cost Messiah greatly, but they don't cost us anything. Uh, they are there for the receiving and and the benefiting from by putting our putting to death the old man, crucifying the flesh, putting aside those selfish ambitions and pursuing him. Hey, I need to hear this as much as you do because I'm thinking about, well, what do I do, you know, what am I going to do when I grow up, you know? Um, here I am in my 50s and need to get out of debt, make sure I got retirement, all that, and, you know, you know, what am, but, um, you know, I look at certainly earning a living and um, making a comfortable life for the missus, but it's it's not about my self-fulfillment um and that can be tempting sometimes i've i've you know in my flesh it'd be nice to have millions of dollars but it's it's not my ambition uh we brought nothing to this world and it's certain we'll take nothing out of it and so you know i want to be a good steward of the things that god has entrusted to me uh, but at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I'm following his gifts and calling. So there is that calling, again, and uh, we read about in Matthew chapter 4, about repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's a calling that hasn't changed. That's irrevocable. That there aren't several ways to God. Um, Shua Jesus, the Messiah, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That wasn't for a season, time, and now or now it's different. That's that's irrevocable. God spoke in various ways at times in the past, or fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he spoke to us by his Son. And there is no other message. There is no other Messiah. There is no other Jesus. There is no other new plan of salvation there is the one that went forth when yeshua began to preach and say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand pick up your cross follow me that is unchanged one more scripture and then i'll let you go um acts chapter 17 paul talking to the greek philosophers on the aragopagus on mars hill and we pick it up in verse 28, Acts 27, uh, verse 28. Uh, scroll down, there we go. All right. For in him, in him we live and move and are, and as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Now then, since we are the offspring of Elohim, of God, we should not think that God is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by the skill and thought of man. Truly then, having overlooked these times of ignorance, Elohim, God, now commands that all men everywhere to repent, because he has set a day on which he is going to judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. That would be Yeshua the one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, he is going to judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he is appointed, having given proof of this to all by raising him from the dead. In the past, God overlooked times of ignorance, but God now commands all men everywhere, that means women too, all of mankind to repent. Why? Because he set a day on which he's going to judge the world in righteousness. She said, all judgment has been given to me. He's going to judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he appointed. And giving proof to all of this, the whole thing that he's 
calling men to repent because the day of judgment is coming. He's given proof to all of that by raising him from the dead. And that speaks to, we too shall be resurrected. Some of us to a resurrection of condemnation, some of us to a resurrection of life and peace and joy in the kingdom of God. That has not changed. There have been uh, many, if you're in the Latter-day Saints, there's prophets that come and undo everything a previous prophet said and things change. If you're with Kingdom Hall, Jesus come. No, he's not come. No, he came in the Spirit. But no, it was a, this kind of coming. It wasn't coming. Now he's coming 31 and 20, whatever. Um, it's like trying to nail jello to the wall. Uh, there are cults that where the leaders claim to be the latest incarnation of the deity, etc., etc., etc. All these things all over the map up and down, in and out. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. What he said he will do, and what he's promised come to pass, and the things is he has declared, such as he set a day in which he's going to judge all the world in righteousness, that's going to happen. And... God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And this is the condemnation that men love darkness rather than the light. Light has come to the world, but men you know, rather would have their sin. And rather to have sin and pleasure for a season than to bow the knee to God for eternity. But their view of God is all wrong. They see him as a killjoy to everything sinful and temporally pleasurable. But God promises everlasting life peace and joy in his kingdom starting now but uh, being fulfilled and and unspeakable unfathomable uh, unimaginable glory in days to come and so I pray that if you haven't heeded that call the call to repentance to recognize that you are weak. There's nothing good in you. Nothing that merits the favor of God. And say, God, I am a sinner. I I don't measure up. Uh, even my best days, my righteousness is filthy rags compared to your holiness. But I thank you for making a way, for paying a fine, becoming sin for me, and taking that out of the way. Uh, by living the life that I could not live and dying the death that I deserve, becoming sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God in Him, in Messiah, in Christ. As many as received Him, Scripture says, John chapter 1, verse 12, I believe, as many as received Him, He gave the right, the authority to become children of God, even those who believe on His name. We're not children of God by birth. We're children of wrath by nature, um, awaiting that day of judgment. But we can be adopted into the family of God by believing and receiving. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to leave God. For those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, may you seek him today. All right, we're four minutes past the hour. I am going to let you go. Uh, so let me cue things up for uh, an exit here. I think we've got it. All right, the AV part of me is done. Now the host part, the co-host part will come out. Uh, 
The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. And remember, to be bold, to stand up and go with God. Go with God, people. Why? Because he loves you. God demonstrates his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you want to talk about the gifts and calling of God, read in scripture about the Lamb of God, Messiah, Jesus, who was slain from before the foundation of the world. Uh, his plan happened, was in motion, even before we were born. God, seeing the end from the beginning, knew how we are, what we would be. It's he who made us, not we ourselves. And uh, the potter shouldn't say to the clay, why did you make me this way? But simply to say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and uh, have your way with me. See what great things he will do. So go with God, people, because he loves you. We'll catch you, Lord willing, Friday of this week. Um, same same Bible News Radio time, same Bible News Radio channels. And good night. God bless.